A very good morning to you. It is Money Talk. It's 17 minutes past uh, eight. And welcome to our guests uh, this morning, Enzio von File, Capital Preservation Specialist for Individuals, and Mark Franklin, Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Manager of Multi-Asset Solutions at Manulife Investment Management Hong Kong. Uh, good morning to you both. James. Uh, nice to have you both on the show. Uh, let's start uh, perhaps with uh, Enzio. Enzio, can you tell us what, where we think we are with the debt ceiling at the moment? What, what, what's the issue at the moment? I think the issue is a game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? I think that both parties want to come to an agreement because they don't want to be blamed for a default and disasters in the markets especially ahead of the 2024 election. So I think a deal will be struck. So where we're at, I'm sure there's a lot of internal wrangling about whether the budget deficit cuts will be uh, of the, the, the Republicans want will go through and then um, what the Democrats also want. But I'm not privy to the, to the nuts and bolts, but I think the overall direction is, yes, there will be some agreement at the last minute. Mark, that's uh, pretty much, I guess, uh, what we're all saying at the moment. Do you agree? On balance, that seems like the most likely outcome. The, the risk, though, is that the, the philosophy of, of fiscal approaches is coming into the conversation. And there you see uh, an ongoing yawning gap between the Republicans and the, and the Democrats. Uh, ultimately, if you look at the composition of both parties in, in, in the bicamera, it's really the Senate Democrats and the House Republicans who will be key to this debate. It's not really for the House Democrats because... You know, the House Republicans have a, a small majority and there actually McCarthy has limited room for manoeuvre because they've already uh, proposed a bill which represents their position. So it's going to be up to the Senate Democrats and the Biden administration to effectively move somewhat. And there, you know, the, the political imperatives will mean that they hold out for as long as possible. OK, well, we'll wait with interest, of course. Uh, there's a lot of talking going on, and uh, I guess all we can do at this point is surmise what might happen. Um, one of the stories that we have uh, today is that the filings to the SEC uh, after the uh, first part of the banking crisis, that um, UBS was rushed into buying rival Credit Suisse in a deal that it actually didn't want. Uh, is the banking crisis over, Enzio? What do you think of that particular um, uh, story there about UBS and Credit Suisse? Again, I'm not privy to the nuts and bolts of the story, but I don't think that one bank wants to become a hegemon in any market, in this case Switzerland, just because it's, it's too big a load to carry and there's too much Credit Suisse stuff that has to be unloaded and gotten rid of. But to the broader point that I think is the more important one in my mind, I don't think that the banking crises are over, and I crisis with ES.is because the small and regional banks aren't really regulated. We can thank that to Mr. Trump, who decided to take out a major chunk of the Dodd-Frank Act by saying any banks under $250 billion need very little regulation. I also find it equally disgusting that the heads of these little banks, who are making tons of money as an executive, are now blaming the markets for their stupid decisions. I, just, I think that Warren Buffett was absolutely right by saying... It's the executives who should be paying, not just the little guy carrying the can who's lost his or her deposits. Uh, CEO of First Republic uh, Bank, uh, Michael Roffler, yes. uh, actually blaming other banks for the contagion at his, his bank. What do you think of that? Well, that's a little bit like saying I got, I got wet because I forgot my umbrella this morning when it was raining. It's, I mean, this would not stand in any 
decent corporate company that I've certainly worked for, that Mark works for, um, nobody that you would just be laughed out of the room by saying, well, it's the fault of the other banks. So quite why he's trotted away, I suspect, with the fat pay packets, along with the guys at SVB, etc., and the little guys left to having lost his deposits, the government gets to bail them out. I just don't think, along with Warren Buffett, whom I seriously don't know, that I find the um, that that's just not right. And again, as my mother-in-law always taught me, when low when interest rates are low, the wrong people get rich. Well, here you have a bona fide example of the wrong people getting rich, and unjustly so. I want to meet your mother-in-law uh, one day, uh, Enzio, at some point. Um, <laughs> Mark, Enzio being a little bit uh, cynical there, are, are those views that you share? Uh, we wouldn't say it's a failure of regulation. It's actually down to management incompetence in reading financial market developments yeah. and, and monetary policy developments. And in addition to that as well, um, it's, it's, it's a function of um, effectively banks uh, not passing on uh, rate increases to their depositors. So what ended up happening was you saw a big gap in, in return and yield potential between deposits and money market funds. So that led to um, you know, money going to the highest source of return. And in addition to that as well, I think that the FDI I see in the Federal Reserve could have, if they wanted to, increased the deposit insurance limit up from $250,000 to higher numbers. <clears throat> but actually, if you, if you think about it, it's somewhat convenient for the US Federal Reserve to have some pressure on the banks and ultimately credit being filtering through to the economy because that's a, another source of dampening of, of demand, which will also help them to fight the inflation issue. Now, where are we on uh, uh, general sentiment in the market? Inflation uh, in the eurozone increased to 7% in April from 6.9% in March. In the US, we're seeing quite a few uh, earnings warnings uh, you know, from some of these retailers, uh, Target and Home Depot, Walmart coming out later today. Enzo, what are your thoughts here? Um, you know, what, what is the general state of play? Well, I think the general state of play is that the US economy's economic time is moving from an excess supply of money to an excess demand for it, exactly what Mark was saying, because the banks are also tightening on credit, so the Fed is helped by that, and also on the goods side, an excess supply of goods to an excess, de- to an excess, excuse me, from an excess demand for goods to an excess supply of goods. You see now, for instance, these downgrades in mass retailers' earnings forecasts So I think there's a worsening economic time, on top of which I think that inflation worldwide remains sticky because of that overlooked factor called supply-side factors like the bad weather, El Nino, La Nina, and all that, droughts and all that. You've got then oil price problems. You have supply-side, supply chain shortages, people not wanting to work, so the wages go up, not because... There's that much demand around for work, but because people simply are saying, I prefer to stay at home and lie low, certainly in Hong Kong. And so I think there's a lot of supply side stuff going on that simply has been disregarded in this very stiff, rigid framework that the Fed uses, which is demand-driven inflation. Um, we talk a lot about the the stock market, and you know that's uh, one of our major indicators day to day. But we don't hear enough about the bond market. Mark, you know, h- how is your view of the bond markets at the moment? And you know, w- where are you advising folks uh, to go? What w- which areas are you focused on? 
Yeah, this is this is a really important topic because I think people become overly obsessed about the stock market, and particularly in terms of constructing portfolios where they want to be underweight over equities. But actually, if you look at volatility and price action, most of the interesting stuff has been going on in bond markets year to date. Where we stand now is fascinating because the US bond market and the, and the Treasury yield curve is pricing in 60 basis points of rate cuts in the second half of the year and another 150 basis points of rate cuts next year. Now, at Manulife, our view would be that we ultimately do end up in a recessionary cycle, perhaps at the end of this year into next year. But we don't necessarily think that inflation disappears or goes back to target very easily, if at all. So actually, the Fed will be put in a quandary whereby it needs to acknowledge and respond to a growth slowdown, but it still hasn't met its price stability mandate. And therefore, we think it's highly premature to be pricing in 60 basis points of rate cuts so soon as the second half of this year. Maybe the first rate cut comes at the start of next year. And, and for that reason, we're quite cautious on the front ends of the US Treasury curve, particularly the two-year point, uh, versus you know, uh, one- to three-month Treasury bill yields. Um, and so we're, we're somewhat cautious there. And in addition to that as well, there's a lack of term premium further out the curve. So all in all, we're pretty cautious on, on rates, even though historically and traditionally investors see it as a safe haven as we head towards a recession. But you know, this cycle will be different. It won't just be a, a normal recession. It will be an inflationary recession. And therefore, you have to think very carefully about where to get your diversification from. So I guess you're long term rather than short term. And, and, and where are you? US, Asia, Europe, which, which markets, which bond markets are, are you seeing as, uh, as good ones? There, there are two criteria that we're looking at right now when we are comparing different sovereign issuers. The, the first criteria is, um, are inflation dynamics relatively benign or are there multiple sources of upside pressure on inflation? And then the second criteria is, is the current policy setting and are policymakers' credibility reasonably robust right now? And looking at those two criteria, we think Australia looks reasonably well set because actually that the curve is relatively flat rather than sharply downward sloping. Inflation is heading in the right direction, even though it's still elevated. And by contrast, the UK looks like it's unattractive as a, as a sovereign bond issuer. Inflation is providing lots of upside surprises. It's not just coming from food and energy price pressures. It's also coming from an extremely tight labour market, which has exacerbated by Brexit and, and, and the flight of, of manual labour. And also the Bank of England's communications to the market have been very confusing over the last one or two years. And there's also a lot of dissension within the Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of England. So all in all, we like Australia, we don't like the UK. Into uh, just before we go, a quick one. China, we'll give it in 30 seconds. Where, where do you stand on China? Are you, are you looking uh, that the economy is going to get much better in the next uh, few months? Improving economic time to an excess supply of money, excess demand for goods. I think that the last data points that we had were retail sales up 18%, industrial production up 6%, retail sales accelerated by 74% from March is 11%, and industrial production is the 12th straight month of growth the fastest since September of 22. My case rests. <laughs> I think the place is going up. I think that there are a lot of economic policy issues that need addressing, but it looks as if the economy is at least... The, 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 the recovery is less wobbly than it was, say, six months ago, but they're not out of the woods. We'll track it day by day. Enzio von File, a capital preservation specialist for individuals, and uh, our other guest, Mark Franklin. Thank you to both. Uh, Mark is Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Manager of Multi-Asset Solutions at Manulife Investment Management Hong Kong.